Welcome to the Factal Forecast, a look at the week's biggest stories and what they mean from the editors at Factal. I'm Jimmy Lovis. Today is May 13th, and in this week's forecast, we have Greece reopening to tourists, Puerto Rico's congressional delegation election, China's Mars rover, a meeting of Somalian state leaders, and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You can read about all these stories and more in our weekly newsletter, which you can find a link to in the show notes. Also, I should mention that in the newsletter, as well as in the show transcripts, you'll find multiple links to some of the source material our editors used when compiling these stories. On Friday, Greece will officially reopen for tourism. And the Mediterranean country has already opened its beaches, bars, and restaurants in preparation. The government is hoping the move boosts its tourism sector, which accounts for nearly a fifth of the country's economic output. The country wasn't hit particularly hard during the first wave of the pandemic, but it did see a rise in coronavirus cases in the early spring, and that's overwhelmed its health system. Still, cases have recently stabilized, and that's allowed the government to reopen. In fact, Greece has already lifted quarantine restrictions on visitors from several countries, instead requiring those visitors to show a negative coronavirus test or proof they've been vaccinated. As far as its own vaccination efforts go, Greece expects to exceed 5.4 million coronavirus vaccinations by the end of the month. That said, considering Greece will be one of the first countries in the world to offer tourists opportunity to travel without tight restrictions, it could lead to other holiday hotspots doing the same sooner than expected, including destinations like France, Italy, or Malta. The European Commission announced last week that the so-called coronavirus passport will be in place in June. That could facilitate travel between member states in time for summer. On Sunday, Puerto Ricans will vote in an election to send two special delegates to the U.S. Senate and four to the U.S. House, with plans to become the 51st state. As a U.S. territory, Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens, but they don't have federal representation and can't vote for president. Instead, they vote for a resident commissioner, which has almost all of the rights of other House members, but can't vote on matters before the full House. Now, Puerto Rico has had several non-binding referendums on its status, most recently in November of last year. In that election, 52% of the voters believed Puerto Rico should be admitted immediately to the Union as a state. That led to Puerto Rico's Legislative Assembly enacting Law 167 the following month. That set up a special election that creates a congressional delegation to advocate for statehood. It's these delegates that Puerto Ricans will be choosing on Sunday. Now, these shadow lawmakers won't be able to vote on legislation, but they must swear to defend the people's mandate regarding statehood. And that may be Puerto Rico's best shot at becoming a state. Dozens of lawmakers from both parties co-sponsored a bill allowing statehood, and President Joe Biden has said he's in favor of it. However, the bill has serious roadblocks in the Senate, with both Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer saying they're not in favor of the move. On Monday, China's six-wheeled, solar-powered Mars rover is scheduled to land on the Red Planet. The rover was carried there by China's Tianwen-1 spacecraft, which entered Mars orbit on February 10th and has spent the last three months surveying landing sites. Now that it's found one in an area of Mars called Utopia Planitia, the China National Space Agency is preparing to land its rover. The agency announced last month that the rover is named Churong, a fire god in Chinese mythology. The agency's director says the name signifies igniting the flame of China's planetary exploration. If China is successful in deploying and landing its rover, it'll join the United States and the Soviet Union as the only countries with soft landings on the Martian surface. What's more, it could join the United States as the only other nation to drive a rover on Mars. Zhurong's expected lifespan is about three months, and it'll be tasked with studying the planet's surface and water ice distribution, as well as investigating its climate and environment. 
On Thursday, Somali Prime Minister Mohamed Roble will be meeting with federal state leaders. They'll be discussing how to hold a presidential election, something that's been delayed since February. Clashes broke out in Mogadishu on April 25th between officers allied with President Formaggio and forces loyal to the opposition. That opposition is calling for Formaggio's resignation over his government's failure to hold a presidential election last year. Tensions rose after the lower house of Somalia's parliament voted to extend President Formaggio's term until 2023. The legislative body later rescinded the extension, and Prime Minister Roble ordered opposing troops to return to their respective bases. International partners are preparing to offer support to resolve the impasse, but it's not clear if the Somali government will accept foreign intervention. After all, the African Union appointed former Ghanaian President John Mahama as an envoy to support mediation efforts, but reports suggest Somalia's government has tried to delay Mahama's deployment to the country. The UN has called on all parties to reach an agreement on holding inclusive elections without delay. Our last item for this forecast is a look at recent developments in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. For a better understanding of that, I recently spoke with Factual Editor Ahmed Namatala. Good morning, Ahmed. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. You know, let's just jump right into this. The situation in Gaza and Israel, it's really gotten out of hand in the past few days. Can you bring us up to speed? How bad is it? It's bad. Uh, This is the most significant escalation of violence since 2014, when Israel's military and Hamas uh, exchanged rockets and airstrikes, and uh, it ended up in a, a very high death toll in the Gaza Strip, mostly civilians. Israeli civilians were also killed in that conflict, but at a a much lower rate. What we're talking about here today is several days of bombardment. Uh, In Gaza, there are uh, more than 40 Palestinians killed so far. On the Israeli side, uh, there are six Israelis that have been confirmed killed. uh, And these figures may have well uh, gone up uh, just over the past couple of hours. Israel is carrying out these airstrikes in response to the rockets. The militias in the Gaza Strip are saying that they're the last line of defense against uh, Israel in what they see as uh, attacks on Palestinians in the West Bank, uh, which is ruled by uh, the Palestinian Authority and uh, who's completely disarmed. Was there anything in particular that made tensions ratchet up? Yes. So it started about a month ago. Uh, It's been several weeks of uh, Israeli uh, police clamping down on Palestinians uh, during traditional Ramadan gatherings uh, around Jerusalem's uh, old city. Adding to those sanctions is Israel's plan to proceed with the eviction of dozens of Palestinian residents of the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood Uh, which lies almost adjacent to the old city. Uh, This uh, was ruled by Israeli courts in favor of Israeli settlers who claim that they owned the land upon which these Palestinian homes are built. And they uh, they cite Israeli law, which allows uh, Israelis to reclaim land lost during previous wars, but does not give that same right to Palestinians in Jerusalem. And that includes occupied East Jerusalem. So what we have here is uh, several factors that led to widespread protests in 
East Jerusalem, particularly around the old city during Ramadan. And then it spiraled into uh, individual acts of violence, both by Israeli settlers targeting Palestinians and Palestinians doing the same. And this is in uh, West Bank areas, uh, which are all under Israeli occupation. Well, that seems like a new development. Is that sort of individual violence part of the status quo? Yes, but it is not. uh, What we saw over the past month is an increase in those attacks, mainly caused by the tensions uh, surrounding Jerusalem. Now, what we've also seen is the involvement of Israel's Palestinian citizens. Those are Palestinians that live in Israeli cities uh, outside of the West Bank and Gaza Strip. Uh, Palestinians started with peaceful protests. Um, Israel's uh, police soon cracked down on those protests, and uh, it sparked uh, just a cycle of violence that continues to this day. Is this as bad as it's going to get? Do you think the worst is behind us? I don't think so. It's uh, it's it's clear neither side is willing to de-escalate right now. Just on uh, Tuesday, Israeli leaders, including Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, warned that this is a uh, going to be a, a long campaign. They vowed to retaliate with uh, increasing force, uh, and so did. Hamas leader Ismail Haniya, who did uh, uh, the same. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing that both statements were televised uh, almost at the same time, uh, even as Israel continued to uh, strike residential areas of the Gaza Strip uh, in Gaza City and elsewhere, and uh, rockets from the Gaza Strip continued to strike in Israeli areas. Uh, now, Israel does have an advanced air defense system that shoots down most of those missiles. But when you have hundreds of missiles being fired, some of them do end up in civilian areas inside Israel. And this has happened despite mediation efforts by some Arab countries, the U.S. and the U.N., uh, all of whom have declining influence in this uh, conflict uh, relative to past years. What do both sides want? What are they demanding in order to step back from the recent escalations? Israel says it wants an end to the rocket attacks that send thousands of its citizens into bomb shelters uh, almost every day now. Um, Hamas uh, sees itself as uh, the last line of defense against uh, Israel, and it says that it won't stop until Israel stops attacking Palestinians and displacing Palestinians in the West Bank. Politically, all sides Uh, are struggling to maintain their grip on power. In Israel, there was uh, a recent election, the the fourth in two years, uh, that showed that the country remains uh, divided uh, between camps that are for and against Prime Minister Netanyahu. After being assigned with a mandate to form a new government, Netanyahu was unable to do so. And now that mandate was passed on to his rivals, uh, Yair Lepid and uh, Naftali Bennett who are now attempting to form an alternative to the prime minister who's been in power since 2009. Uh, If they're successful, and that's far from certain, uh, it could offer uh, some change uh, that could be for the better or worse if they can decide to uh, de-escalate the situation. Or if you take Lapid's uh, comments at face value over the last couple of days, uh, he's actually talked about using more force against Hamas and other Palestinian factions 
in the Gaza Strip. So it really remains uh, unclear how Israel is going to deal with this uh, moving forward. On the Palestinian side, their first elections uh, since 2006 were canceled because Israel would not agree to the vote being held in East Jerusalem. Uh, at least that was the reason cited by Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, his rivals contend that he canceled the vote because it was clear that he and his party weren't going to do very well. So all sides here have uh, their own political situations to deal with, and, and that's playing largely into this conflict. A lot of moving parts. Thanks for bringing us up to speed there, Ahmed. appreciate your insight. Thank you, Jimmy. Take care. Today's episode was produced with work from Factual Editors Jess Fino, Jeff Lancet, Jimmy Lummis, and Sophie Perrier. Our interview featured editor Ahmed Namatala, and our music comes courtesy of Andrew Gosby. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Factual Forecast. We publish our forward-looking podcast each Thursday to help you get a jump start on the week ahead. You can, of course, subscribe for free. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or events we've missed, drop us a note by emailing hello at factual.com. <laughs>